You may have noticed me last episode talking about how we had a breather episode before things really got started. Uh, this... This isn't that episode. That's... <laughs> I tend to forget this episode even exists, to be honest with you. I usually skip it on review because... <clears throat> well, it's a horror episode that doesn't really do much for me. So, <clears throat> it is done by Brian Fuller. Fuller. Uh, I've talked about him several times, especially with regards to the upcoming, that is to say, at the time, what was the upcoming discovery. But he's he's got a weird track record. Like, this is the guy who did Mortal Coil and Spirit Folk over on Voyager. So that's, that's, that's a hell of a range of quality right there. Anyways, uh, so they bring the crew, they bring the Cardassian, they bring Nog. Cool, I'm with it. Um... There's this bit where they're talking. Nog has had this kind of recurring subplot, by the way, about wanting respect. <laughs> I just want you to remember that coming up. Uh, that's that's, that's going to come up in the next season. But there's this nice bit where Garrick you know, kind of pushes O'Brien to play this strategy game with him, saying, you know, you're a soldier. And, and O'Brien says, I'm not a soldier, I'm an engineer. And Garrick's like, well, that's true, but you and Bashir... And <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to go through the whole thing. Garrick very expertly traps him with his own words by getting O'Brien to admit that O'Brien enjoys pretending to be a soldier. How many of you have ever played Fallout 3? Yeah, I know, I like to use that as an example. But any video game really satisfies, right? Do you actually want to go out and salvage the wastelands while barely surviving and hunting down monsters? Okay, that's probably not the best example, but the point is, I don't actually want to be in Fallout 3. I don't want that in real life. It's a video game, an escape, and that's the thing, right? It's entertainment. It's not RL. And, of course, that is exactly what O'Brien says. He lays out the obvious. It's a game. It's not real. To which Garak says, of course it is. That's what this is, too. And he just, he just expertly traps him in that. O'Brien still finally stonewalls him and just says no. But it's just, it's amusing to see. Ten minutes in, the episode officially becomes a horror episode. I have heard rumors, I was not able to substantiate this, so consider this a rumor, that the reason they stuck with the really dark lighting was specifically because they wanted to showcase how different this was from, you know, Teroknor to show that Mpoknor was a different... Because they're just using the same sets they use every week. The problem is, I don't think it really succeeded. If anything, it just made me think constantly, why aren't they setting up their light sources? Like, they're going to do... <laughs> Spoilers, this is not the last time they'll come to the stupid station, so we know they could turn on the lights. Ugh, whatever. So, they're stranded. They make a big point about sending out this SOS signal, and that's certainly a valid thing, but... Maybe I'm putting too much credit into the Federation's basket, so to speak, but I'd like to think that they would, at some point, be like, you know, they should probably have checked in by now and send a ship to go check on them, right? Like, as long as they could survive, they're not going to die there. You know, it's not. this is not a we're stranded forever kind of a situation. Anyways. So they split up. <sighs> of course they split up. It's a horror movie, or horror episode. I do have something to rant about, and I, I do need to apologize, but this actually pisses me off, because of, especially because of how needless it is. So Stolzoff, excuse me, Stolzoff, Stolzoff? They say it a couple of different ways in the episode. The woman, 
the security ensign. She, there's this bit where she is there to protect Bob. I don't remember his name. So naturally, the way she protects him is she has the phaser rifle aimed right at him, just kind of casually. And he... So, okay. She's already wrong. Like, immediately. In, ignoring the fact that she's supposed to be defending him and she's looking at the one thing that she doesn't need to look at, she's also pointing her gun at the one thing she doesn't need to point her gun at. Rule one of guns. Period. You never aim at something you do not intend to shoot at. God, that, that was drilled into me when I was like 13 or 14 or whatever. When, when, pe when my parents first started teaching me about gun safety. Now, I didn't actually go to the range to start shooting until much older, but the point being, I've known that since I was a teenager. <laughs> that is literally the first thing about gun safety, is you, you don't point at something you don't intend to shoot at. And she's just... <laughs> and then, when he complains about it, rather than saying, oh, sorry, or anything else, she just says, what, the safety's on. What? That's your excuse? <sighs> I, <laughs> I just... Try to picture. I know that phaser rifles don't evoke the same kind of emotions within us because we know it's a prop and we know it's fake. Imagine if someone really did have a gun. In fact, in the equivalent, this would probably be an assault rifle. Just aimed at you. And you're doing your work. Now, they're there to help you, and you're like, could you not aim that freaking thing at me? And they're like, what? Safety's on. I would have walked over and smacked her. Put, point the gun somewhere else. Jesus Christ. Then, then, after this flagrant display of stupidity, then she decides to split up, which gets both of them killed. Good job. So they're dead. O'Brien takes charge surprisingly well here. I shouldn't say it that way. I've always felt that O'Brien would be a good type of command material. Not officer track. That's a little bit different. Not O'Brien's not a captain of a ship. He's not a you know, an admiral. He's not a commander of a of a, a first officer of a, a spaceship. But he is a very good I guess the word I want to use here is sergeant. I could see him being a good sergeant, being a good ground unit leader. And he displays this in this episode, and that will come up in future episodes as well. And since that's been part of his backstory since TNG, that does make a degree of sense. So Garak's acting oddly. Usually I rant about how much people don't recognize when people are acting oddly in Star Trek, but I have to admit, how many people know Garak well enough to know he's acting oddly? It's, not, it's also worth noting, O'Brien does pick up on it the second time. Not the first time, just the second time. Then, he has this line. That's not the face of a tailor. And Garak's only defense is, I'm not a tailor at the moment. So then, <sighs> I you remember that episode uh, where uh, Terry Farrell kissed, I can't remember her name, the actress uh, who was playing her ex-wife? You remember that? How that caused a big stir? Uh, believe it or not, there was a bit of a stir caused by this episode. Now, it wasn't as big for some reason, but it's probably because it's a made-up slur. You see, uh, Amaro in the background calls the Cardassians spoonheads. Now, that is, to be 100% clear, a slur. That's not slang. That's not a nickname. That is a slur, which is a derogatory comment of a racial bent, a.k.a. calling someone something. It's an insult. It is a negative terminology, okay? 
Now, that's been established because it's also not the first time we've heard on the episode, but it's the first time uh, that a Starfleet officer has said it. Now, what's interesting is after they heard it, they decided to leave it in. Uh, for the record, I stand by that decision. Uh, the point is how stressful and how tense the situation is. You could see someone like that slipping, especially someone who clearly has a predisposed antagonism towards the Cardassians. So, sure. I stand behind that, but what I find interesting is how it came to be. There's this concept called additional dialogue recording, uh, ADR looping, in other words. Now, I've never actually talked about this before, but it comes up constantly when it comes to this sort of a thing. I, I wish I could demonstrate via example, but as usual, I can't have anything going on back here other than the looping footage because of YouTube being YouTube and legality being legality. But the, the, the long and the short of it is, if you were to watch one of these episodes before the sound guys got a hold of it, before the team actually managed to go through and finish their sound editing, the episodes would sound substantially different and, if I might be so bold, much worse. The easiest way I can explain this is actually to use TNG as a parallel. Anytime uh, you have a scene on TNG where someone goes through uh, 10 forward and, you know, it's Guinan talking to Jordy, for example, and they're just chatting there. If you listen in those scenes, there's dialogue in the background, but that's not happening when they're recording. Those other extras are not talking. They're not paid to talk. No, what happens is... As filmed, it's two people talking in a vacuum. Then later, the sound people go in and add in additional lines of dialogue. And, of course, some actors will be called in to do some of this background dialogue stuff. Uh, they, there's actually a separate casting call and everything for this. So, you know, that's basically when you just go into the booth and record the lines, rather than having to go through the full makeup and you know, outfit and uniform and actually physically act. You with me? So, this is what ADR looping is in a nutshell. Now, ADR looping is generally not even in the script at all. Sometimes there will be mentions or specific bits of dialogue that are in it. But for the most part, it's actually a separate document that they will use, and they'll read either random gibberish or lines or whatever. Okay? Now, all of this is relevant because this, this bit of dialogue, which included the spoonhead slur, was part of this ADR looping process because it is background dialogue while the camera's focused on Garrick. It's just in this unique circumstance, you can very clearly identify what he's saying, which is why this became unusual, because now a slur is being heard by a Starfleet officer in the episode. But this is why this kind of was able to bypass the usual methods that would disallow something like this from happening. I find the whole concept fascinating, admittedly, because I'm one of those extremely weird people who would probably actually have someone whose job it is to write the dialogue for that background stuff, like this one, and have it make sense. Now, I point, I point that out because sometimes they just talk about total nonsense in the background. Like, I've, if you really pay attention, or if you go, I'm sure actually people who are uh, better at sound design than me have already reverse engineered some of the background dialogue in, like I said, 10 Forward. And you can hear they're just talking about, like, absolutely nothing. You know, just, just talk about the weather for a bit. How's the weather? Oh, that's good, you know. Just nothing. Meaningless drivel. I, I would actually like, you know, as a designer, as a writer, creator, director, producer, whatever you want to call it, I would like those to be actual dialogues going on in the background, just just to add to the little nitty-gritty details of the episodes. As I've said before, I'd probably be a horrible producer-director because I'd want to do the to uh, the Lord of the Rings thing. You know, actual chainmail, every helmet made separately, you, you get the idea. Uh, 
So, that's. I hope you enjoyed that little discussion, because that's most of what I had to talk about in this episode. And the rest of it, O'Brien laments not going after the Cardassians, as he should have. Uh, Nog is terrified, as he should be. And O'Brien's final comment, I'm not a soldier, I'm an engineer. The final bit where O'Brien confronts Garrick in the chair, however, is actually brilliant. First of all, both actors do a lot with their expressions to demonstrate guilt or shame, or possibly both, in a tremendous quantity, as they're just... You could see how much they're both struggling with all of this. And there's this really weird understanding between the two. The understanding, and I've seen this before in real life, and I can't believe I've never caught this before. It is the understanding of two ex-soldiers who aren't soldiers anymore, but they also are. It's a very powerful moment, and it, it actually helps to sell the rest of the episode, because for the most part, this is still a pretty forgettable episode for me. In fact, if it wasn't for the looping spoonhead ADR thing, I, I'd be like, well, that's all I got. <laughs> Tune in next time for a real episode. So now, for real, next week is actually the breather episode that I referenced. Then we'll get real. So, I'll see you then, guys.